You're listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast, inspiring commentary and intelligent insight from experts in the thick of it. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike Walter, Principal Analyst and your host of Forrester Technopolitics. I'm here today with Peter Wanamaker, Senior Analyst who covers digital banking. Hi, Peter. Hello. Happy to be here. Good. So you cover digital banking. That's mobile banking, right? It includes mobile banking. Uh, it also includes PC-based online banking, tablet banking. Uh, and we look at emerging technologies and touch points, wearables, car apps, et cetera. But yes, it definitely includes mobile banking. So the lion's share, though, is when you refer to this is right now is as smartphones. When we talk about mobile banking, the lion's share is conducting banking activities on a smartphone. So there are options. The, the four biggest banks in the U.S. do offer two-way SMS text banking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are available for feature phone users. There's certainly mobile websites that don't require smartphone apps, native smartphone apps. Uh, but yes, the lion's share of what we talk about when we talk about mobile banking is banking on a smartphone. And what's the adoption look like for mobile banking? So it's strong and getting stronger. Uh, at the end of last year, or as of 2012, I should say, uh, it was about one in four U.S. online adults with a bank account were active mobile bankers, which means that within the last 90 days, they had checked their balances, paid a bill, sent money to someone, transferred money, et cetera, et cetera. What about deposit checks? That's sort of a new thing. That is a new thing. That's a very cool new thing. Like it's, it's, it's now getting older. In fact, it's getting to be, quote, unquote, table stakes for a lot of banks. Um, that's why the ads seem a little stale almost at this point of, of you can do this. But yeah. it is relatively new, uh, and it is very cool, and it is, I think, we believe, Forrester believes, bringing mobile banking to that next level, where it's really services, activities, features, functionality that are unique to mobile, not right. just. And, and that is that driving the increase in adoption as well? Or what is driving the increase in adoption? So we tend to think about it, even though funnels are sort of out these days, not cool. We tend to think about generally as kind of a, a funnel towards mobile banking, true engagement. Uh, so the two key drivers of mobile banking adoption overall are smartphone ownership, so increasing. So people increasingly trading in their feature phones exactly. for a smartphone. Exactly, right. yep. And when they do that, they tend to become more comfortable with the channel and then start to do small banking activities like finding an ATM or yep. finding a branch and then start to check balances. And eventually some of them uh, start to actually pay bills, send money, et cetera, et cetera. The other key driver, or another key driver, is demographic shifts. So we have young people who are quote-unquote born mobile who are becoming part of the financial market. So they are getting checking accounts or savings accounts or going off to college and caring more about those checking accounts and starting to, you know, mobile is the logical channel, the go-to channel for them. The other half of that demographic shift is older folks, folks in their 30s, 40s, even 50s and 60s, who are longtime banking customers but are discovering, becoming more comfortable, I should say, and familiar with the mobile channel with their smartphone and then they start banking so yeah a couple drivers so i mean this has got to be this this adoption with it increasing this has got to be uh, a game changer for banks yes short answer is yes we believe it is and and what should banks do what should bank executives be doing now with mobile is this a competitive advantage is this a is this a stay even uh activity <laughs> uh is it a, is it a way that a smaller bank can win over a larger bank what does I, it mean so i believe it can be any and all of those things. I will say there's a big difference to me and to our team, uh, the digital banking team at Forrester, between the near term, where banks are really trying to serve that uh, mobile banker today, the person who is in general, I mean, the, the large share of interactions via mobile with a bank 
are checking your balance. That's still the number one activity. It will be the number one activity five years out, seven years out, 10 years out, but it'll be joined by other activities like you mentioned earlier, mobile remote deposit capture, uh, sending bills, paying someone else, P2P transfers. Um, but today, banks need to think first and foremost about the convenience and the ease of use of checking balances, paying bills, those sort of core, quote unquote, core banking activities. Longer term, it'll be more disruptive. It'll actually, we believe, become the hub of many of your customers' relationship with you. And by you, I mean the bank. I want to come back to that future, but let me go to the near term. Is it true now that all banks have a mobile app or most banks? I mean, it seems yes. like a small local one has it. They can acquire some sort of technology somehow. Absolutely, yes. So are, are there, there any differentiated mobile banking experiences out there at, the, at this point that are significant? So I would say absolutely there are, even within those. So let's take the big four banks. Yeah, who are the big the four? Chase, yep. Citi, Bank of America, and Wells. Yep. Um, even within that group, there are differences in the experiences. Um, are they make or break differences at this point? No. For the most part, no, they aren't. But Chase, so Chase earned the highest rating among those big four uh, on our recent functionality review and ranking. Uh, a lot of what they did was small things that made a, a relatively big impact. So when you're on the landing screen of their native iPhone app, mm -hmm. you have the ability to, within that account balance screen, click immediately to paying that bill or getting more details about that checking account. Uh, now, every bank lets you do that, right? But it's usually on a top level or bottom level nav panel, navigation panel. Oh, like apartment. a menu or yeah, exactly. navigating a menu to get there. Exactly. But Chase made the small but important decision to put them in context so that you see your credit card, pay now right? Pay this bill immediately. So those are small. That's not going to make or break any bank. Right. Uh, but it is, I think, starting to, we're starting to see that differentiation based on mobile banking and mobile experience. And from your conversations with, with banks and from your research, do, do you see any, is this a retention effort? Like what drives the investment in mobile banking at, 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 at banks? Is it to retain or to acquire new customers? Uh, well, it's definitely more about services to existing customers, retention, cross-sell, uh, differentiation within your existing customer base. Today, very few banks are using it for any kind of acquisition or sales. Um, Discover, one of the first banks, or financial providers, I should say, to offer an apply now via their mobile app, via native smartphone app. Uh, even when you clicked on that, you were launched to their PC-based website where you had a pinch and zoom experience. It was not that high quality an experience. So they're one of the rare uh, providers who are doing anything, and even theirs is relatively, it's not even 1.0, it's 0 0.2 or something along those right. lines. Right, so mostly it sounds like incremental innovation, tit-for-tat innovation. That's what, is, that's right what has been, yeah. yeah. So, so you, you mentioned this, you know, in the future, it's going to become more of a hub. Uh, yes. What do you mean by that? So, and I want to be clear, um, we do use the hub, the word hub, pardon me, very carefully. We don't believe it'll be the only channel to use by any means. We so don't... it's not going to eliminate walk-in branches. It's not going to eliminate ATMs. It's certain, certainly not in the near term or midterm. Okay. Uh, branches and ATMs we think will change. Uh, ATMs um, in a couple of different ways. Branches in a lot of ways. They will become sort of digital branch experiences. Well, they're serving coffee in my branch. Exactly. Yeah. No. And that, that's what they're they're throwing everything at the wall right now, yeah. and with good reason. Um, but no, the most important thing it will definitely not. Uh, replace even the PC-based website, right? Which is which a lot of banks did question early on. No, we have we have. There's no evidence of that today, and we see no reason to think that'll happen in the future. 
what, what it will be is the go-to channel. So it'll be the channel that is most often the first touch point you go to when you have a question, when you need to make a transaction, even in the future when you're thinking about buying another product. Mm -hmm. So hub is a very careful choice of words, uh, word for us. Uh, what I would say is this. Mobile will very often be the first channel they go to, but will very rarely be the only channel they stay on. Mm -hmm. What this means is it increases the value of mobile for banking uh, executives, for banking strategists, for digital strategists at banks and agencies, et cetera. But it also increases the importance of thinking about cross-channel. So when they move from mobile to another channel or touchpoint, uh, how seamless that transition mm. is. Uh, but I, I, that that is more future yeah. uh, oriented. I mean, that's that's looking forward. Right now, getting that mobile experience right is really important. And I will say very quickly, um, we believe the most important factor in terms of success in mobile banking today, tomorrow, and into the future will be the use of context. And Forrester, I'm, I'm going to use sort of my definition of its variation on the the one Forrester has, but is everything you know about the customer at the point of engagement. So mobile remote deposit capture is a great example of that. The ability of to use your uh, the camera on your phone to take a picture and then deposit that check is a very simple, technology wasn't simple, but the concept was simple. Yep. Using the context of your phone and the functionality you already have on there, right? That camera wasn't built for mobile banking, but it's using what you have available to you to make a better mobile banking experience. Uh, I would argue uh, other examples will include knowing where you are, right? How far from home you are. Uh, mobile uh, merchant funded rewards are big. Bank of America has their Bank of America deals. But right now, those are pretty limited. They are not based on time of day or weather outside right. or where you are. Or so, what you know about that person individually. Exactly. If, if they're a golfer, what type of shopper they are. And right. So it's, it's really getting to where mobile banking apps can become more predictive Exactly. Individual based upon the context and what they know about the customer. In fact, I think we're seeing this across industries too. Oh, absolutely. Not not just banking, and 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 so it sounds like the banking is is heading in the same direction. That's right. I think they're behind some, like retailers and some travel companies. Uh, they're ahead of some others. Um, so, what advice then, given you know, given the emergence of uh, this becoming a hub, what advice do you give to banking executives uh, for their mobile strategy? So I'm. How are they doing? They're are doing they, okay. They're are, actually doing pretty well. What yeah. I would argue is so. So our data seems to show that they are doing a great job of meeting the basic needs of mobile bankers. Mm -hmm. So you can easily access your account balances. You can see them. You can usually pay a bill. Sometimes you have to set up the payee. So Chase is one of the only ones that lets you add a payee from within the mobile experience. Mm -hmm. So, but but overall, they're doing a good job of meeting expectations today. But expectations will rise. Mm -hmm. um, my argument, my advice in two words is realistic prioritization. So what I mean by that is there is an urgency to mobile banking. Mm -hmm. There is a certainly a need to think about the role mobile will play in your future. As we said, we think it'll be the hub. Whoever, whatever bank you are, it will be the hub of your relationship. And it's with. easier to see that when you, when you say Absolutely. that right now, you've got 25% of people using it and you can easily project <laughs> that right, greater there's, percentage. Exactly, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now the realistic that I mentioned, so prioritization is, is, is key, right? You want to be investing in mobile. You want to be thinking about what role it plays. You want to be thinking about cross-channel as I mentioned earlier. I, I add that word realistic very carefully though. I think it's easy to think with that 26%, or sorry, it's a, you know, about a quarter. Yep. 
Uh, I think it actually was 26% as of 2012. Well, we um, expect precision from our Yeah, exactly, so exactly. 26.2. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's easy to think that this is something you've got to roll out the biggest, best thing tomorrow. And I would argue that's not necessarily true. Um, I think smart, strategic, convenient mobile services will beat quickly sent out or quickly rolled out, I should say, mobile services for bank customers. So a quick example. So mobile remote deposit capture is something that by the end of 2014 will probably be table stakes. For USAA and Chase, it was a game changer. It gave them this leg up. That'll be gone. You know, it'll be what customers expect. Right. Right now, most customers, a lot of, I should say, a lot of customers already expect it. Very soon, I would say, argue by the end of 2014, it'll be really a must-have if in order to compete as a mobile banking provider. Um, so that's an example of quick rise of expectations. Um, the realism I talked about is really thinking that you don't need to roll out, you don't need to shove everything into that mobile app or that mobile website. Uh, it's more about you know thinking about the context of what services meet your particular audience's needs and wants and also meet your business objectives. I, unfortunately, speak to some bank executives who are focused only on what the customers want out of Target, out of you know, even things like GoBank, mm -hmm. a new mobile-focused bank, um, and thinking they need to rush out and beat them. Uh, your audience might be very different. So we tend to recommend sort of, we have a mobile post. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there's nothing magic about it, but I think it can be very valuable in thinking through any mobile initiative. Mm -hmm. And post? Oh, sorry, it stands for People, Objectives, Strategy, Technology. Right, so that's a methodology. It is a methodology. It's a framework. To, Apologies. To, I'm, I'm, to, I'm thinking that your, uh, your, your listeners are are uh, avid Forrester clients, but yeah. they may not be. And that's something that we use to uh, sort of surface those priorities for exactly. the right audience. Right? Exactly. And it's, it's a chronological, for most part, framework in which you think first and foremost about people, and that is the audience you're trying to reach. For most banks today, that is their existing customers. So it's folks that already have a checking account, savings account, credit card with them. In the future, it will also have to include some prospects, mm -hmm. folks you want to get uh, as part of your uh, client base. So that's the audience. The second one, though, is just as important and often overlooked by, by some bank strategists, and that is, does it meet your business objectives? What are you trying to achieve? And this goes back to your question. Right now, the play tends to be about retention and about you know, catching up with the other guys. Yeah. Uh, more and more, it'll become about, in some cases, mobile cross-sell, and in other cases, offering value-added services, right? So there is one bank in the U.S., and actually not a big bank, a regional bank, that charges for remote deposit capture. And their data tends to suggest that, or seems to suggest that, a huge swath of folks are okay paying as long as there's a clear benefit. So I would argue that in the future we won't have, if, if you're just depositing a check and it's avail the funds are available three days from when you deposit it, that probably won't be charged for. But if you want next day or same day access to those funds, that'll add a premium, right? And that value-added benefit, sorry, that value-added service, I should say, brings a benefit to the customer. And we'll actually see some revenue for the bank. It's not going to be as huge as you know consistent fees and yeah. and the, what you get out of a normal banking customer, but it'll be an important part of that. So, so explore. So banks can explore all these different permutations of how they can provide and charge for these services. Exactly. Exactly. And you know the the truth is there is uh, given some regulations, given the murkiness of future regulations, um, there is the banks have less options available to them to just offer everything for free. Um, there, there will be a need to offer many services for free, especially for premium clients. 
Um, but thinking about those revenue opportunities via mobile is going to be important. Peter Wanamaker, thanks for joining Forrester Technopolitics. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Forrester Technopolitics podcast. Read more about the technology fuel disruption and join the discussion at blogs.forrester.com.